hello and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for November. Jingle, 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 jingle. And joining me today is friend of the show. It's Mr. Nigel Matthews from Games Quest. Hello, sir. Hello, Richard. Did I hear you just sing? Did you just sing, Richard? Yes, because it's Christmas is time this, and I like Is this a, a new thing for you, or...? It's kind of a new thing, because it's been... I didn't want to do any singing for October, so I decided to bring it in for November instead. You know, because it's coming up to Christmas time, and it's like parcel time and stuff like that. So I thought just... Um, we've been kind of talking about you coming back on for a little while and I thought, well, we just have to make this happen. But if I knew you were we? going to sing, I, I might have changed my mind. So are you going to go into like <laughs> Christmas carols now, Christmas jingles? It's a we, bit early for that I, yet, isn't You it? know, I could do, it's a little bit, it is a little bit early for Christmas carols. It's a little bit early for Christmas Susans as well. So, you know, if you don't like it, you know, there's, you know, you can... It's, you know, this is it. We're trying to get things into the season. You know, next month it'll be little bells a jingling and I'll be saying things like, ho, 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 it's December kind of thing. And just now I'm just giving the people a little bit of a gentle kind of nudge to suggest that potentially the holidays are coming, but without any Coca-Cola. Do you know what? So, I'm not going to be a humbug. Yeah, I think that's a, f- a fine idea. I think logistics... There you go. Yeah, well, I, you know what? I think you get a bit... A bit anesthetized with, with logistics in terms of you know, your Christmas, it becomes a bit numb. You know, even got two daughters myself, yeah. but you kind of like you're so busy that you end up um, you end up not enjoying it or not embracing it as much as you've done. You kind of you kind of fear the <laughs> trepidation of of it of of the logistics headaches of Christmas. So, uh, but yeah, no, oh, come on, I'm not going to sing myself. Well, I could do, I suppose, give me a bit of Tom Jones maybe later. But I've know. Heard rumours that you've got a slightly decent singing voice, but what I mean, no. um, I mean the first, I guess the first thing to find out about is how's tricks were you? Because obviously you're continuing to be busy. Oh, it's you continue to do all these kind of ridiculously busy, ridiculously busy. Um, if I, if I'm brutally honest, um, it's um, it's just just too busy really. Um, to say nobody likes to be too busy, but um, in our case at the minute, we've had a series of um, of very um large multi complicated projects um which um which um has um yeah has kind of slowed us up a little bit um but um they come along and it's like a like a like a bus i suppose <laughs> you know one in, one in a while is not bad and then three in a row come in so we um yeah actually four in a row really we had um we had star realms followed by Chip theory games, yeah. followed yeah. by Fallout, and currently Village Attacks is um, probably um, wow. yeah, the most complicated and biggest of them all. So, uh, but yeah, just uh, just life. Is that putting pressure on? I mean, is this? I mean, you know, the thing is, is like you can't kind of, I guess, kind of timetable in for when the ship's going to be coming in, especially if there's kind of like little delays and. Is this kind of like a snowball situation where a small delay at one point can end up in a, a kind of a bigger delay kind of down the line? Basically, have oh, you got completely. to work around Com- constantly? Completely and utterly. Um, <laughs> it's, I think we joked the last time about how, um, yeah, um, 
our wonderful adoring public um uh, backers you know, become <laughs> logistic well, not all of them most you know a majority of people are level-headed and sensible and then you get the, the, the people who believe they're logistics um experts and you know you get emails on the day it arrives in port and saying well, well when am i getting it <laughs> it's like just arrived in port <laughs> you know um yes in answer to your question um you know we but at the beginning of august we only had a couple of small projects and things mm-hmm. were quite quiet and now we have just we are like inundated with the amount of projects that we, we have from big and small you know i think i think last year we kind of did see a spike pre-Essen, but this year, mm. you know, everybody wants to get their projects out for in, in time for Essen. Um, and that's just, um, you have this bottleneck effect. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's just part of the nature of the business. And I think the, the, the bigger you are, the more of a logistic headache it, it becomes really. It's just, yeah, it's just, um, just life. Um, <laughs> Well, no more I can say about that, Richard. It's just like you know, I, I know, could, I could, I, I could get my violin out and play. Yeah. No, I was talking. You know, I was going to say like you kind of like some people see you as the Craig Revel Hollywood of the kind of the logistics industry. It's like the pantomime bad guy. One of the reasons we kind of, I guess, I wanted you on was there was two. There was kind of like the two things. It appears at like hot off the press before we even came on that there appears to be some kind of agreement that's gone on between our fair UK government and the the nastiness that is the EU so that when we're going to be Brexiting, it appears that something might actually be on the table and it won't just be um, an abusive <laughs> bit of graffiti um, <laughs> between the two kind of organisations. Well, I, look, I've, I've talked to Theresa tonight and uh, <laughs> I can tell you... <laughs> <laughs> that um, yeah, um, we've had a long conversation, and I've supported her plan. Now, um, yeah, off off the press. Um, what date is it today? Thirteenth of November. So let's yeah. put, let's put that in. Um, that 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 the EU and the UK have um, have come to a an agreement on Brexit. I never, for a moment, doubted that 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 would happen. Okay, never, never, never for a moment. I was, I've been talking to lots of people in the industry and lots of my customers yeah. and, and stuff. And I, and I was talking to um, another fulfillment company today, we were, um, having a conversation, and, um, and we kind of both agreed that that there was always going to be a Brexit deal. That that yeah. that that you know, there's too much riding on it, you know, from from both kind of governments really. And um, my worry, and my always worries about this, is that. I'm not worried about the EU and the government coming to an agreement. What worries me now is what's going to happen. Um, what's going to happen after this, um, and how uh, how the government are first of all going to internalise with the cabinet agree on this because it's so derisive. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a a view in terms of um, of how Brexit should work, whether it's a no deal or part deal or whatever everybody seems to have a view and everybody seems to think they're right yeah <laughs> and, and and so so first of all she's she she's got to get it through the cabinet which is going to be a struggle in itself and derisory and all the rest of that and then she's got to get it through parliament um i, I don't think you know, look look at the um you know look at the the way that the, the, the parliament is made up and how 
so split that the the, the 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 politicians are on you know soft budget, and you can't and you cannot please everybody. There's no way that that the government's going to be able to please everybody. Um, so I, I have my doubts whether it's going to get through 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 cabinet. I think it'll get through cabinet, but I, I have my doubts whether you know they're going to get it through parliament. Um, I hope they do um, for for. Um, for for my company's sake and and every other fulfillment company that's out there um, that needs to offer EU friendly shipping, um, I, I it'll make my life a lot easier. Don't get me wrong, we we, we have plans in place should there be a hard Brexit. Um, yeah, what I mean, what are I mean, one of the things that's never been well, of course, it depends on where you go to find out your information. But one of the things that's never been clear is, and and the, even the the designers, the developers, and everyone that I've spoken to has been. Um, we're rushing to try and get everything sorted out before kind of March next year because we don't know exactly what's going to be be happening. But for you, obviously, with you having to actually deal with this with your kind of your bread and butter, what were the kind of the ramif- What were the potential ramifications, the good and the you know the the good and the not so good in terms of how it could have affected the kind of the fulfilment side um, for those for those people out there. Um. <laughs> There's two things that you've got to um, you've got to bear in mind. And a lot of people obviously don't realise this. They think that um, that um, the EU friendly shipping, if there's not a Brexit, will be null and void. That, that's not the case. Okay. Um, first and foremost, it all depends on the the value of the goods. So a lot of the smaller packages and projects uh, would, would would still be fine um, because mm. there's a tariff within uh, the EU that if the declared value is below 22 euros then there's no custom um, there's no custom VAT. so uh, a lot of our single kind of pick projects you know or double pick projects you know um, will potentially be below that you know um, in terms of the mm. declared cost um, which means that they'll be they'll be fine it's not you know, maybe that's maybe forty to fifty percent of our business. Um, thereafter, it's it's all a case of what 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 that custom union deal would be like. And if it's a no deal, um, we have uh, because the, the cornerstone of our business is um, is what we call direct injection into Europe. So um, so we have um, so for example because. Yeah, people have waited so so long, like six months for their um, for their parcels. Then uh, we use a, a, an economy track service into Europe. We we call it direct injection. Basically, um, the um, we we send it to a consolidator in in the UK. That that consolidator then will palletize all the German parcels and and um, Dutch parcels and French parcels. They they then import. Uh, they then take that pallet and then they they basically. Um, inject it into the local um, postal systems within Europe. So yeah, they use things like DPD, Deutsche Post, and, and mm-hmm, so forth. Mm-hmm. It's fully tracked. It's very cost-effective because it takes, on average, between four and seven days to, to get to most EU countries. Um, but it's a good service. Now, we have partnerships all over Europe, so we, which which have you know warehousing, fulfillment service, etc. So you know our our plan is very simple that we um you know we have a a very large multi million pound fulfillment business. They rely on that multi Nobody's going to get that. So we we have partnerships in place um, that if we have to uh, move our pick and pack into into um 
uh, a warehouse in in um, Holland or Belgium, we we can do that. Um, so yeah. you know, so we, as I said to my customers, uh, that you know, what's happening with Brexit? And I say to them, listen, I have a business to protect you. I will be able to offer you a EU. Um, EU custom friendly shipping, whether it's a hard Brexit, soft Brexit, somewhere in between Brexit, you know. So um, yeah. I have that business to protect. That's my, that's my job, <laughs> you know, to do that. So, um, so yeah. So um, for us, it's just a case of we have plans in place, and those plans will be um, put into motion or action as and when. Um, there's a deal to be had, and and of course the other thing is, is you know, if a deal is in place, there's a divorce period which will take anywhere between eighteen months to to two years to three years potentially. So yeah, so if yeah. there is a, a deal in place, then there'll be status quo, you know, for another length of time, which means then we can um, we can kind of get uh, get those plans into place. So. So yeah, the, you know, this um, it's it's a worry, but then you know, I've I've spoken to much, 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 much bigger companies than 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 I am, and nobody knows, you know, there's massive companies yeah. out there that are on tender hooks, you know, um, and and I'm more worried for my employees than than I am for us because I will find um, I will find a solution. It's what I do, yeah. but you yeah. know, yeah. Let's say, so that's pretty much where that- we are at the minute. And hopefully it'll be, it'll be, I, I can't think, I, I, I can't, I, 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 you know, I, my staff say to me, I'm in meetings with different carriers and stuff, and I seem to get angrier. They say he gets angrier by the day because it's not so much anger, it's frustration in terms of, um, I understand why people voted no. I, I voted yes, but I voted yes. Um, because uh, to stay because of obviously the nature of my business and I wanted to protect that mm-hmm. business and want to protect the people I employ. But I don't understand. I can see the bigger picture. I don't understand why people think that um, it's it's a good thing, you know. Um, but anyway, I, I see some benefits, but I think overall, I think we're mad not to be leaving party political broadcast. There we go. Has it led to different conversations with, say, um, companies that are you know, American-based companies that are shipping into Europe and they're talking about kind of the EU-friendly shipping. Have you had to kind of be more of an educator and an advisor with some of these? Have they come in kind of expecting, you know, well, we know that Brexit is happening, so therefore you're the fulfillment company, so I'm taking the, you're aware of how this is all going to pan out and has it worked? Have you had to turn around and said, actually, at the moment, we don't know. (laughs) I mean, is that, is that, in that case, of is that, to your knowledge, is that kind of affected kind of the approach to even companies considering, you know, well, actually, I'm just gonna, we're just gonna offer this game in America. We're not gonna bother kind of shipping it into Europe. Or have you seen that people are still quite happy to try and they need that reach into Europe, they need that reach into the UK in order to make the the kind of the project successful? I guess totally, totally. Um, you know, we've um, we're just about to embark on a project called Binding of Isaacs. Um, did um, oh yeah, 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 did three million, and we're we're about to kick off that project. Um, hopefully on Sunday, I think we've got some extra staff coming in. Um, and when they, um, you know, they, and this is an interesting one because you know it wasn't so much that the shipping that people uh, didn't want to pay; it was the 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 the, the um, 
the tax that people did not want to play. And they didn't have any EU-friendly shipping when we first saw it. We kind of reached out to them because one of the guys in the office uh-huh. was a massive fan. And um, and that's so they yeah. have to listen to the community. And the community is going, Look, we, we, we want back this because we don't want to pay the custom back. So it is utterly essential essential um that um international companies predominantly us canada whatever offer eu friendly shipping they have to how does that work how does that work for people that are saying well why why is eu friendly shipping such a big thing i mean what does it what does it matter i mean i'm i'm sitting here and saying well this this guy's now released an update saying he's going to be doing eu friendly shipping why 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 should i be why should I care? I mean, why is that an extra bonus? Well, because I mean, this is for obviously, yeah. Because because you're going to pay probably the same amount of value that you pay for the game in taxes when it arrives. Whereas mm-hmm. if you ship it with a company like us within the EU, um, the the publisher would pay the VAT at, uh, uh, when it's imported, so they're covering the VAT cost, which is um, potentially less than you as a punter would pay so they can absorb yeah. those costs and make it more attractive. You know, if you're, if you imagine you're, you're back in a, a game that's called Bind of Isaac saying you're paying, you know, 30, 30 to $40. Um, and they, so then you're going to have to, then the shipping is a lot more expensive because you're shipping out from the U S shipping out from the U S to the UK is expensive. So you're going to have to pay, mm-hmm. let's say you have to pay, you know, 15 to $20, you know, to, to have it to have it shipped in the first place. And not only that, when it arrives in this country, because it's over the back threshold, which I think in the UK is, if I can remember correctly, 15, 15 pounds, I think, um, or 20, 20 pounds. Yeah. So you're then, you're then having to pay um, um, 20% on, say, 30 pounds. So you're having to pay an extra six quid. Now, most of the games on Kickstarter are, are miniature-based games that are. You imagine you've got a Simon parcel. Um, we we do everything for 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 Simon, and imagine you're doing yeah. you know a Simon parcel which is worth you know 150 dollars. So not only do you have would you have to pay the shipping from America, but you'd also have to um, pay you know 20 um, percent on that 150 dollars. It becomes incredibly expensive. Whereas if you, if it's EU friendly shipping, it comes through you know a company like ourselves. You're paying less shipping if if it's mm-hmm. done right with the publisher. And we try to consult on a lot of lot of projects. If they come to us early enough, we can consult, show them how to successfully do um, how to successfully do. Um, you know, your Kickstarter page to, you know, have more effective shipping, to be more targeted with their shipping. Um, and then, and then, um, to, um, to, to basically attract more backers. You, you, they get more backers by doing it this way. So a lot more. I mean, you know, just by having more targeted shipping, you can increase your, your, your backers by, you know, five to 10%, you know, easily. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Has um, with exchange rates and everything going, is, is is shipping continuing to rise as a price? Then I mean, are you finding you're having to look at kind of different ways of shipping product out to to backers in order to kind of make it kind of financially worthwhile for yourself? Is that something you're constantly kind of having to look at to make sure that you're adding value to the customer, but you're also making sure you're not a, you're not acting like a charity and doing everything for free. It cuts both ways, yes and no. Um, luckily, mm. our base um, shipping is set for the year, um, so yeah. we get our shipping rates from our consolidators 
and it's normally fixed for the year. Um, uh-huh. And be, and then because there's no fuel surcharge char- on there, and the same with the UK with Royal Mail, um, that's generally fixed for the year as well. So um, uh-huh. though they have changed that to quarterly, that fighting them. That's another story. Um, so that's not too bad. <laughs> but equally, it's good. Um, it's a good thing at the minute because obviously with the exchange rates, when we first started doing our fulfillment business, you know the exchange rate was at one point. I think five, 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 something like that. Now for the US, yeah. now well, one point three. So for mm. for for our customers, for our publishers, it's actually more cost effective. So they're yeah. getting they're getting they're getting a better rate. So, but it makes no difference to me because I invoice in sterling. So, um, all right, okay, so, yeah. okay, so okay, it, okay. It can do a DHL or express shipping that can uh, has a vagaries such as, yeah, 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 that uh, is. Uh, has I mean from your from your view I mean over the last year, um, have the number of larger products projects funding kind of larger amounts and having to ship more units have they have they kind of increased? Because there seems to me to be maybe there seems to be bigger there seems to be less projects that are doing more numbers kind of funding as opposed to as many kind of smaller guys from what I see. I see a lot of smaller guys kind of having to do like a second and third attempt now to kind of get funded, while as the guys that are really doing well are just knocking it out of the actual park kind of thing. Have you noticed a change yourself in the the amount of stuff that's going through in the bigger guys? Um, I think that... Um, I think that... Um if you, there's no two ways about it that that um, our, our wonderful Kickstarters love the bling, <laughs> that, that, you mm-hmm. know, put a put a, a high quality um, miniature games on there, and you know the, the community get hold of it and 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 kind of run with it. I think that um, there are more and more com- competition. Um, there's no two ways about that, and the smaller guy um, needs to do. Um, a lot more marketing than they think they may think they need to do. Um, and yeah. uh, we've been you know, closely associated with a project and we've kind of seen that. And if you are depending on the type of game, you know, you could do a, a lot of marketing and end up with a two X return, which is just simply, is simply just not good enough. Whereas if mm-hmm. you advertise in a, a game that has got a lot of cool miniatures, you know, cool stuff in there, then you're looking at a, a you know a return of you know around about five or six x, and that's basically for every pound you spend, you're getting six pounds worth mm-hmm. of um, of revenue back in. So there's no two ways about it. It's um it's 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 tougher. And if you don't if you don't have um, a, a mailing list out there already, you know you're going to pay a lot for 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 advertising and social media and all the rest of that as well. So it can be expensive. I mean, I, I don't have the the full data to hand, but you know, I've, I've spoken to Luke Crane on uh, you know, Kickstarter quite a bit, and yeah, because we yeah. saw we thought a big trend of um, more license based products, you know, hitting the market, and you know, his version of that was nah, still about ten percent hasn't increased, hasn't decreased, about the same. Even though you yeah, think, yeah. even though you, you, your perception is is that more licensed top games are becoming more dominant, and we've seen a lot of that. 
So, but yeah. So, um, no, I just think there's more competition out there, um, if I'm honest. So, um, you know, it's when I went to Essen many, many years ago, I did a, I did a video, um, I think it's still on our YouTube channel, I think, but, um, and, and, and it's the stuff of dreams. It's a, gr- it's amazing leveler, isn't it? You go to Essen and you yeah. can see somebody with a new game and a new project and they could, you know, have a, if, if the people at Essen, if the punters at Essen, get hold of it it can be it can match the big boys you know um and i think that's the allure of of um of um kickstarter is that the small guy could launch something and become a massive hit with it that's the lure not always reality but the, the potential is there isn't it it's, it's tantalizing mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, with everything kind of being as it is, I mean, I take it you're still managing to get kind of plenty of stuff out the door through the retail side of things. Because, I mean, one of the things, I mean, obviously everybody knows you for the logistics, but, I mean, primarily, you know, there's a there's a part of the business that was involved also in the direct kind of retail sales as well. Is that, I mean, is that is that still as strong? Has there been a kind of a change in that as well? Or is that still just, that is just something that kind of ticks along kind of in the background kind of quite nicely? Yeah, no, retail has been a tough year. Um, there's, there's no two ways about that. Um, online sales are becoming more competitive. And um, mm-hmm. um, and oddly, we changed our focus. We had a, like, unless you have a dedicated sales team and staff to your website, it your website almost becomes um a more um less cost effective than selling on a third party website like Amazon, etc. There's no two ways about it. Mm-hmm. We we got hit um by a massive DOS attack um recently. Um and we then had to put lots of firewalls up and everything as well. It's the first time we've ever had it, but took my website down for about ten days, you know, which yeah. which is just crazy. You know, um and you know, you spend a fortune on SEO, etc. as well. But so yeah, websites are good and they're there, but we've been doing really well at shows. You know, we've been doing a lot of retail at, uh, at various different shows. Um, oh, we've right, okay. we done pretty well at UK Expo and Tabletop Live, and you know, we do a lot, quite a lot of other shows as well. And that that, that seems to work. And mm-hmm. we're also um, involved in the board game cafe generation, so we are part owners of uh, Dice in Portsmouth. Um, which is doing oh, right, okay. remarkable. I mean, we had a vision along with the partners that we're involved with of, of how a board game cafe, um, what we call it a board game lounge should be, you know, and how it, um, mm-hmm. and how it should be laid out and how it should be atmosphere and how you should also have a retail aspect on there and high quality, good food, good beer, you know, and a real amazing atmosphere. And if anybody wants to, if anybody wants to look at it, if you, Google on Facebook, Dice Portsmouth, you know, and we've been launched that now four weeks ago, and it is just brilliant. I mean, we do it ever so well, but I'm really pleased for the for the boys that have um, put a massive effort into it, and it's just this looks amazing. So you know, we are diversifying, um, and yeah, so retail is is there, online sales are there, but I think people think that online retailers are maybe a faceless organization and we're not we care so much about the hobby um that we're trying to put it back into it in different ways so yeah are you finding i mean it's it sounds to me like um it's not a case that it's a case that you have to diversify to kind of survive and it's also 
diversifying because you don't know what the kind of the net. It's not a case of the next big thing, but almost the the next big thing that everybody in the hobby is going to be kind of looking at and wanting to get involved in and kind of wanting to to kind of invest in at the same time. Do you think that? Do you think that um, the retail the retail model is going to slowly kind of drift away and it is just going to be the marketplaces or you know you you hopeful that the kind of the kind of your your retail side of the business will keep kind of going no i think um i think we're kind of coming to a conclusion that um could, because we diversified very early in our in our, in our time and we, we kind of mm-hmm. went more into toys and and uh, collectible market um as well i think we i think at some point we've got to make a decision um in terms of um, more focus rather than diversity um i think we would mm-hmm. i think my retail manager matt would love to open up a chain of <laughs> of shops you know i think that would be yeah, yeah. that would be an ambition of his and um and if that number stack up and i think maybe we'll 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 focus more on 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 specialty rather than diversity i think we're more heading towards mm. that natural progression so um um i, I think I think we're so passionate about the, about what we do in our hobby <laughs> and the fact it's our lives as well that it's just a natural progression to, to diversify. So, um, you know, publishers are more, more asking me for distribution, don't particularly want to get into yeah. distribution, but maybe we'll naturally maybe go that way at some point. Um, um, you know, so we do a little bit of it when publishers or can you, can you supply these shops? And it's not something that we do on a regular basis, but that might be something that we could look at publishing. We, we, we would love to get more into the publishing side of things. Um, because, the amount of creativity in 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 the office is phenomenal, and the amount of people that come our way that um, will have amazing ideas, but maybe lack that infrastructure and project management skills and knowledge to kind of go on solo is banging on our doors. And I'm going, that's a really good idea. I really want to get involved in that. So, um, but yeah, so that's something I think that we would maybe like to get into a bit more, but that's, that's down to our passion and love of the hobby and the love of board gaming mm-hmm. more than anything that, you know, if there's money to be made and certainly money to be made, but, but done in the right way. It's a strange to think that like, you know, you're talking, you actually said, you know, um, thinking about actually opening up kind of more retail stores. Is that a strange thing considering, like, you know, all you hear about is the high street being kind of, the high street's decimated, the high street's kind of dead, and everything should be gone kind of online, and there's been a lot of victims of, you know, if you look at, say, like the Toys R Us kind of brand, that, you know, one of the things that was said about them was that they didn't, um, they didn't have a strong enough kind of online game, and that's what kind of kind of didn't help them kind of going forward and the same as being with the, the like obviously like the game group or even Morrison's the you know the supermarket being told that their online side of the businesses wasn't uh, wasn't strong enough and now it seems like uh, the retail kind of bricks and mortar and things like board game cafes for instance which are not they're kind of really specialist shops. I mean, you're not a case of you're walking in and, and spending like a fiver or a tenner. I mean, if you're going into a board game shop, you could be easily parting with a couple of hundred quid um, for, you know, some for some decent items. Um, it just strikes me as a bit, a kind of a bit strange. It's almost like we're going kind of like topsy-turvy. Everybody was going online and now everybody, 
because Amazon's and eBay's kind of dominated that space, it's like everybody's like saying, well, let's, you know, retail is, seems to be a, a decent way to go back and actually start to make a bit of money now. I, I can't 100% comment with with um, the accuracy of, of producing numbers on, on, on the statement about to give, and it's very much by instinct, and it's very much by what we do at shows. And I think that mm-hmm. if you are – I disagree with your comment that you won't go in and spend a five or a tenner. Well, that means the retail store is not doing their job properly, um, mm-hmm. in effect. And um, – you know there are um, there are games out there um, that you can spend eight quid on and be the best eight quid you'll ever spend on a game. Cacklack and poker, yeah. the game, yeah. mind that sort of stuff. Um, I, I I think that if um, I mean we when we opened up and I could only go from the board game cafe and I had a very um, interesting chat with the um, the. Um, uh, MD of Asmodee, and um, because he was very keen in looking at um, how to, how Asmodee and can support that board game kind of market, and and I think a lot of people, um, and if I talk about the board game culture uh, or board game cafe culture, I think if you are a retail store that then goes, oh, your natural progression is then try and set a few tables up and offer, you know, some food and snacks and a table that people can come and play games. I think your success will be limited because you are, um, you are focused on, on catering for the hobbyist. Okay. And our board game cafe is essentially aimed at the casual gamer and families and potential new gamers um, that that will come in because that's the sheer nature of it and that's not to say that the hobbyists don't come in because they do but this for us that's the icing on the cake you know um, and our games library is amazing it has such an eclectic view from a deep you know, Euro game to a very kind of light game and family games I mean for God's sake we've even got Catopoly alright okay <laughs> in, in, in our library and it is probably and that gives the show it's one of you know the most played games people are curious they come in you know um we had a we had a couple mm-hmm. come in the other night um not long after we opened and, and they were happy to pass in saw it so oh, we're going there it was, a, it was, it was their first date and on their first date together right and they came in and had a, an amazing time you know so um we said if you ever get married you have to come back and you know and so forth so that's the type of, <laughs> that's the type of that's the type of audience that we are you know, aiming for and yet we're amazed by the amount of role-playing groups that are using that are using the cafe because the atmosphere is, is just terrific it's amazing coffee's good beer's good yeah however there's a retail zone and in that retail zone is a, a cross section of the games and you see people migrate to you know once they finish the game they always you know 80 percent will go then into that retail zone either try to look to buy a game or a game that they might have played in the library etc 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 and a member of staff will always be there i remember i came in there and you know they wanted a two-player game i sold them stuff fables okay oh yeah right. now they didn't even bulk at the price I mean, we, we offer the same price we would online, for example, but they didn't even bother looking. They didn't even question the price. They bought it because they were looked after, they were good customer service, and they were sold to in a, in a proper advisory or consultancy way. That, that's not all the time. People will come in and look and, and, and look what they do. And 
good game stores do that. You know, very good game stores. Traveling Man up in Leeds, I know, I know, have a very good reputation. Eclectic Games in Reading, for example, um, you know, have a very, very good reputation of of having that accessible view. And if a game store is run in a very, very good way, and 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 I, as I say. I can only go from my point of view as a cafe because I've not run a board game store uh, per se. I've done much, much retail. I sell a lot of shows, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in fact, I sold um, a game, talking about Brexit, I sold a game at a show to Michael Gove a couple of years ago. Um, and, and, oh, and, and it'll be my old favourite, by the way, Quartermaster General, of course. But, you know, you bought that. Really? But what I'm saying is is that if, you, if, you, uh, if you're open, you're accessible, and you advise people, you will sell all day long and i think if a board game shop is right so i think if a retail shop is done right you know and bearing in mind that the board game market is continually growing it's up every single year in growth you know more and more people getting in board games which you know love or hate them you've got to say asthma day are are very responsible for helping that growth with the amount of demos and you know stuff they get out oh there. yeah it's phenomenal the amount of work that they they put in and the amount of shows they attend to and you know in terms of um in terms of um getting the word out there and demonstrating and and, and growing the hobby it's, it's terrific so anyway um so so that board game market is growing i think if it's done right um then there is definitely um a success to be made in in that retail retail arena um mm-hmm. as well as online you know so that's my view Love what's it, um <laughs> what's what's um what's going to be hot this christmas then i mean what have you had people i kind of asking about or what what are you thinking about stocking up to have on the you know having the cafe shelves or or bring in do you know for the for the kind of the online retail side of um i, I you just never know. Honestly, you, you, you do not know. Um, I mean, when I went to Essen for the first time four or five years ago, actually five years ago, I think, um, you there, there was maybe 200 um, releases, maybe two, 300. And you could pick out the top 50, you know, and the top 10 and go like, you know, a couple of years, you know, when it, when it got first released, CS Files at Essen was the hot game. You know, I knew it before I even went yeah. there. We could research it. We knew we we bought it. We brought it back, and that was like, you know, that was one of the hot games. You know, whatever. I mean, there's eight hundred plus, maybe twelve hundred new releases, kind of, um, kind of um, this year in terms of um, in terms of what what, what what's um, what's available and out there. So, you know, I suppose anybody can look at the top fifty SN and say, well. You know, are the days of big print runs kind of gone? You know, so I think the NSK one—I can't remember the name of the game now—was that number one game out there. But I think it's already sold out. So, yeah. You know, so it's supply and demand, isn't it? That might not be that might not be available. So, um, but I, I kind of like the um, you know the word association games are, are really good. I played Trap Words for the first time the other night. It's really good. I've heard, yeah, really I've heard good. that mentioned recently. Yeah, I've heard that yeah. mentioned. I think it was Polyhedron Collider. Yeah. yeah, I think we're talking about um, we're talking about trap words. Yeah, and they had some, they had some really good, um, they had some really good Brilliant. things to say yeah, about it's it. Really, really good. Um, uh, oh, what the hell's the name of the game? Nyctophobia, I think. I think it's, I can never pronounce it, but it's where you put the Nick, yeah, Nyctophobia. Is that the one that's um, that's Pandasaurus, and it's yeah. the one that's um, you're you basically you got to wear a you got to wear a mask. You put it was these a, uh, basically dark glasses on, and then um, 
the mm. guy playing the, the hunter, you put your finger on your piece and then you can feel around it and you've got to try and find the other people and stuff. <laughs> I thought I was going to hate it and I ended up really loving it. Mm-hmm. So I think it was, uh, I think it was really cool. So, but it's, I, I mean, I could say some great games, the detective, which was really good. Um, but yeah. if it's not in stock, then it won't be the number one. So it, it's really, I wish I could say it's really hard to tell because the hobby these days is so diverse. You know, it just, um, yeah, just, you know. But it'll be Catopoly probably. So. <laughs> Have you gone out and bought like five thousand units no, of Catopoly? Not that many. Not that, that many. But uh, yeah, it's it's on its way. Do you commit? I mean, do you commit a lot of? I mean, do you commit to like certain units? Do you, do you hedge your bets and just have some and? you know, some of everything that's in or do you have to be quite strict and say, right, okay, we're only going to take like the top 15, the top 20 of this and bring it in um, to make sure that you're not kind of ending up with kind of lots and lots of stuff kind of so, kind of sitting no, on the shelf. No, I don't do that. I'll tell you for why. Um, hmm. you, you you look at the market, okay, and hmm. um, um, and look at like what be the number one the number one board game out there ticket right okay let's look at ticket right okay go go on amazon or online and look at the price for ticket right everybody wants to make 50p to a pound really I, I, i'm you know yeah you know if i took that view i would i would you know i would stock you know 300 copies of ticket to ride and hope i sell well might make 50p or a pound. I'm not interested in doing that. Um, you know, um, it's just like, you know, I, so we, when people come and see our stand at the shows, you know, they, um, we will have probably the most diverse range of games at that show. And, and I know this for a fact because people love it and they compliment on us and they say like, you're, you know, we'll, 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 we'll take, um, you know, we'll take stock off, um, of certain Kickstarters and either on, on, on a consignment basis or we'll purchase some stock. So we, you know, when we go to a show, people love the fact that yes, we, I can sell ticket to ride, I can sell Mysterium and all of that sort of stuff as well mm. and code names and double, you know, if I want to sell double on, on Amazon, um, and I wanted to try and compete with the lowest price. I'm telling you now, could you not, Richard? I would make 25p, uh, okay, for every copy of Double. And if people want to go and make that sort of money, and then fine, you know, they might sell a hundred copies in a month or something, and what's that make 25 quid? Great. Is that is that not is that why you know things like um, you know people are looking at diversifying away from the marketplaces in order to actually make a profit? Because I know of you know I know obviously in my as everybody knows, my job is I deal with a lot of things to do with Amazon. Oh. You know, I work as a basically consult on tell people how they should be selling on the different marketplaces. This is what I do during the day. And um, there are people that I see, the people that seem to be making the money aren't the guys that are making, that are selling what everybody else is selling because that just seems to be a kind of like a race to the, to the race to the bottom. I mean, is there a chance that, you know, you can... That um, that's you know for established long selling games, places like the marketplaces aren't necessarily the places to sell them because it's just the amount of hassle you have to go through. It's not worth the money that you make from it. Um, kind of that kind of point, and maybe the new and sh- as with always the new and shiny are the things where you kind of make the profit and everything else. You have to to look at different different methods in order to shift them in order to make some money. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that's spot on. I think that um, you have to sell uh, a huge amount of volume of a product um, 
at those sorts of prices that you are competing against to 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 make any serious money unless you are unless mm-hmm. you have unless you are one of few sellers and and you can do that uh, yeah i think that but then i, I think that I think is when you look at the arc of a sales cycle of of a, of a kind of product. I think what you need to be is not so much an early adopter because if, if the community haven't got hold of that game as yet, then then you know you're not going to sell many. You know you need to be you need to have stock at the right time so that just as it's catching, um, you know, and the community of you know, suddenly maybe there is a review on tabletop. Um, you know, live or, or, or dice tower, and um, <laughs> give a really, really good example. We had a product called Off the Rails, um, which was one of our, our Kickstarter publishers, and we had it on consignment. We maybe sold two copies in in in, um, in, a, in a month. Uh, no, sorry, in, in more than that, maybe three months. Um, mm. And um, mm-hmm. you know, we took it to shows. Nothing. You know, we took. Um, about 30 to 40 copies to Essen and it had a got a review and um, we, we, we sold out. We couldn't keep it on shelves quick enough. So th- th- that's what I mean. The problem, the problem with um, trying to hedge your bets is that you are, um, you, you are at the whim of, not so much the whim, but you are trying to catch the, a uh, catch a wave. If you can catch a wave of a good review or, you know, mm. or getting spiked on the hotness table or something and you can, yeah. and you can catch that wave and you've got lucky if you catch that wave, then, then, then it's, then it's great because I mean, you know, we were t- taking some stock out of our quarantine um, areas. So, you know, we have permission from publishers to, um, to, to stock the library up from slightly damaged or, you know, nicks and dents and, and stuff as well. A <laughs> few of my friends, um, yeah. my work colleague Simon. It works for me. We're going looking at the games. We're telling you, mate, I really want to play that. <laughs> yeah, no. And then the next <laughs> one, I really want to play that. Yeah, I want to play that. So, should we just stay in the cafe for a few days and just like play all these games that we want to play? You know. Oh, so, um, so you've got to you've got to catch that wave. And, and it's it's not to say that that there is no money in making sure you have stock of ticket to ride and et cetera, et cetera. So there was one year where we had stock of uh, of double, and everybody ran out of it. And we 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 weren't going to compete on price. We had a load in stock at uh, 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 on on Prime at the time. I think we sent them in. We'd had them in for a couple of months, like forty copies mm-hmm. or something. And between Christmas and New Year, we sold out at a decent price. So you know, people can't always keep everything in stock. So you know, you can still make a decent margin as yeah. long as you're happy to to kind of sit on it for a little while. But um, yeah, yeah, you know, they yeah. will sell. Yeah. I wish it was and, that easy, um, though. I wish, wish it was that easy. <laughs> it's I know I, I've, I'm kind of like, as I say, it's something I'm immersed in on a kind of a day to day basis, and kind of speaking to developers, designers, you know, people like yourself. You kind of, it's kind of, um, it's the golden age of what people would say is a, it's a lovely golden age of board games, and it's also people are kind of seeing how they can make money out of it, basically, which seems to be the thing. There seems to be all these multi-million kind of campaigns, people having successful Kickstarters, the next big thing coming out, and people are still kind of like saying, well, how can I actually make some, you know, a bit of cash and kind of keep the keep the wolf away from the door? Um, but that's a that's a dark and gloomy thought. What is a delightful thought, though, is, um, obviously, with the big fat man you know 
only about six weeks away now. What is it you are hoping to find under your Christmas tree when you wake up? Because I'm, assume, I'm assuming, and I may be assuming wrong, you're definitely potentially on the good list. Um, <laughs> well, if, you speak, if you look at social media, <laughs> you, you, you probably wouldn't think that, would you? You know, I would be. No, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna go there, but you know, I'm lucky. Just, just wondering if you've already been sent like a couple of bags of coal already. And say, there's your Christmas sorted out, um, kind of thing. But um, no, as I mean, is there anything that you want to get your hands on? If you would woke up on Christmas morning in your jammies, ran downstairs, went under the tree, you know, pushed everything aside, what would you like well, to see you under kind of the tree? Did, did you mean, I, 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 um, my brother was going to buy me a game, so I'll buy you a board game. I said, what are you going to buy me? I can just take it off the shelf. You know, I can just take, I can just take it off the shelf. There's nothing I want. I know, so, but you're, what? Ruining the question. But anyway, sorry, no. Come on. But, but I, I, I did my Christmas list. I'm a massive DVD fan. I, I love watching DVDs and I love reading. I'm a massive um, book fan. So, um, and I, I can't. Um, and I ordered my copy of The Reckoners, which um, was written by uh, Brandon Sanderson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, who actually we had on the sh- we um, we had them, them on the show. <laughs> We had them, yeah, with them not in the show, not too long afterwards. Uh, and so. I thought I'd ordered some retail copies, only had them sent them over in, in a Kickstarter package. So I'm going, what my copy reckoners? I still haven't got my copy of reckoners. So, um, um, so yeah, I'm kind of really looking, looking, looking forward to that as well. So, um, um, and, and there's another one. Um, so I went around my friend John's, who's a, a, a senior guy at uh, Asmodee and, um, a massive collector and, and he bought some Essen games over and, um, and so we played trap words but um is a, a, a love simple brilliant games you know because i think i put code names on my one of my top lists in terms of introducing people to the hobby and there's a new one called out there called uh, just one uh-huh. such a simple word association games absolutely fantastic so you 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 have a card that you put in front of you and you have five clues on there and you you have to name you can't see them but you have to go one to five and everybody else can see the name and then everybody else on a little bit of um like a scrabble kind of board you know with a felt tip um rub off pen uh, marker they have to write a, a clue down there but nobody else can see what clue they've written and um and then you all have to show the clues the other person and if anybody's got the same clue they're immediately eliminated. So, so let's say there's four players and two people have got the same clue. They're eliminated, and then so the person has to try and guess that name based on the the last two clues that he has left. So uh, it's such a simple, clever game. Love it, um, absolutely love it. But um, um, that trap words, and we also played a tower defense game, which was which is due out in February. So that's not going to be out for Christmas. Called Breaking Bones, which is just fantastic. Um, so uh, maybe just one reckon. I think probably um, as I really want a copy of, uh, of my reckoners, and I know there's one in maybe slight dent and damage. So, um, but I'm going to yeah. beg Brett so if I can have can that one. That. Um, you know, one the you know one the quartermaster Cold War. Then I, I have that already. <laughs> please, please, could you? It's just like yeah, retailer six editions. Someone's waiting to see who wants the copy <laughs> of Cold War. So, uh, I met Ian Brody actually um, over in Essen. Right. So, um, so, it's a really nice chap. So, and I was supposed to have dinner with him, but we were so tired that first night that I just I just said, "Oh, Ian, I can't." I just 
so so tired we were absolutely exhausted <laughs> from the setup but um and, and the first day it was just exhausting essence so um but um yeah so no cool boys already on my desk my friend so that's uh that's been that's oh, been bagged so how about you? Yeah, How about you, Richard? Cool. What's um, what's you know, what's on your, what's on your Christmas list? What, what would I maybe send um, you secretly the post when your wife orders from Gabe's Quest? <laughs> Heroes of Land, Air and Sea. Yes. I've coveted just to have it. I was kind of definitely one of I. I was looking at Feudum as well, but it's kind of strange because I've seen kind of um, mixed reviews of it now. Unfortunately. I've seen people saying it's an actual it's an actual bugger to learn, and I've seen other people that says, "Oh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of um, kind of complicated to the to, to the rules that you need to kind of really be Johnny on the spot with it." Um, but that I mean, those are the two those are the two main ones. Um, what else was I looking at? I'd always like you know what Keyforge kind of intrigues me. Just I know it's like this at the moment's kind of hotness. Um, but I think I think one of the main ones is I still never ever played um, Charterstone, um, and I, the thing about that is it came out in such a flourish, and then it seemed to kind of kind of die away and kind of disappear. And I was expecting it to kind of have a longer a longer kind of tail to it, but I think that's just the the way the media is. So, yeah, Feudum, I think. Feudum or Keyforge, I think. I think uh, Heroes I think of Land I'm, I'm, I'm like definitely. I love the look of Feudum and I love that card mechanism because obviously Quartermaster mm. General and I see some similarities when I've read the back of the box, but I really want to play Feudum mm-hmm. myself. I think I think I'm I think yeah, I I I've gone. I'd want somebody to bring it in. I want somebody to bring it in and for me to have a shot and then to play it. I mean, um and to really, you know, to, to experience it, I think, before I'd want to play it. Heroes of Land, Deer and Sea, I think everybody that I've spoken to about it have just said, yeah, it's amazing. I've actually seen it in life. It's absolutely huge. It's massive. It's just, you know, it looks amazing. So I'm I'm really kind of interested in kind of getting my hands have on that. Have you played Keyforge yet? Um, I have not. Nah, I have. Um, yeah. I've heard people kind of... Um, talk about... Oh, people are talking about the funny decks, the funny name decks at the moment. I'd be interested to, to see actually kind of kind of what it would be like it'd be interesting i think it's going to be worth a punt i don't think it's going to think it's like about 15 quid or something like that i don't think it's much more than that so i think that might be definitely something that's worthwhile asking for it's going to be interesting you know i mean i've spoken to magic players and who who maybe would pay 200 games of magic and you know a week and now they just play keyforge I personally don't like the the way it it plays. I, I I don't. I can't. You know. I play things like Star Realms and 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 other deck building games and that sort of stuff as well. And though um, oh, that's slightly obviously slightly different. I just I just I don't know. I played it about three or four times now. I, 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 yeah, I, I'm not sure about it. And it'd be interesting to see whether the community embrace that mechanism of. Um, well, pay fifteen pound, and that's your deck. And you know, it's yeah. then all about skill or that deck being able to, to manipulate that deck. Um, and yeah. you know, it's it's an interesting kind of phase. Um, uh, but I, you know, I think a lot of a lot of pushes um, is going to be um, pushed on it. So, um, so yeah, I think um, uh, in terms of your view of Charterstone, it's really interesting because I played Charterstone, I played the first four four rounds, and then I've kind of group but you know other people then start coming in the groups so we never kind of got around to it and it was really interesting um but i'm just kind of wondering that legacy games are going to be because all the really big legacy games are are like co-op games aren't they 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just kind of wondering whether or not that, that, that the legacy world will run more better with the, the that cooperative kind of genre. It'd be interesting to see, but I, cause I thought Charterstone was, was, was excellent. But yeah. See, my only concern with it is having a group long enough that's going to play it for long enough yeah. and that you would end up like playing three rounds and then that would it. It'd be, you know, I've played Root probably the most this time this year. I think I've played Root maybe about four or five times just consecutively just because it's asymmetrical. So you can play a, you can play it five times and have five absolutely different games because of the different what do you factors. Think of it? But, um, yeah, what do you think of it? It's fantastic. Really? Really, really yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really like so it. I thought Vars was, really, was brilliant, really but I think I've, I've only played Root twice, uh, and I've still, I still, I think it's like, oh, let's take the Vars theme and make a real kind of warry game with it. Whereas I thought Vars thematically was amazing. I'm not quite mm-hmm. feeling it with Root. It's good, but I'm, I'm not quite sure of the fuss on it. So, but yeah, it's really funny because you've got to, uh, you know, you'll find a faction that you really, really bond with and do really, really well with, and it kind of changes completely mm. it's really changes completely based on the number of players not just because you've got it does actually change completely with different players because you've got completely different factions and so I've experienced it with two players three players four players um, now and it's been a kind of a different game kind of every since so it's really good no, it's really really Really, really good fun. Now, here's a tip um, for you for if you if old school stuff by the way next year when I was at Gen Con I played Simon's um, Wacky Races Oh wow! <laughs> the models, Richard. The models. Just... If you remember Wacky Races, you must remember Wacky Races. Of course Races. I do. Oh, uh, just... bit it stuff. was brilliant. I think the rules, I think, needed a lot of tweaking, and I think the designers were going back to the drawing board um, to kind of play it. But I think the models are amazing. I'm so looking forward to Wacky Races next year. It's going to be so much uh, fun. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. In terms of we that, that see. sort we of see. gateway sort of entry game, oh my god, it's just like. Absolutely fantastic. So, um, but yeah, so, but there we go. So, cool. So, um, yeah, and I've got to say, so, my friends, uh, one little shout out, if I may, for, for my, my good friend Joseph Liano, who's launched his new Kickstarter, which is Pet Evil. So, um, going super well. So, I've got to give a shout out for Pet Evil for next year. It's an awesome game. Sorry, had to be said. That's fine. And where can we find you on the internet webs? Mr. Nigel Man. Oh, uh, gamesquest.co.uk. Dun, dun, dun. There's my little song. Gamesquest.co.uk. I'm cutting that. I'm telling Don't you now. You I'm actually you not going to cut it. I'm going to put it. I'm going to put it. I'm going to put it. I would have put a. I, I'm allowed to sing. It's, it's my show. Yeah, I could have had um, my little xylophone. Put, ding, 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 ding. I don't want your xylophone <laughs> anywhere near my fun. podcast. Um, yeah. Well, as I say, it's. Um, Always a pleasure to have you on, sir. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we are up to, go to Internet Webs. Uh, we're not wizards on Twitter. We're not wizards on Facebook. We're not wizards dot com for the website. We're not wizards for Instagram. We're not wizards dot blogspot dot com where we do some writing. Um, you can catch us across the various podcast catchers, your stitchers, your speakers, your Acast, your cast boxes, your pod knives, and you can also get us through Podbean as well itself. Um, we're on Patreon because we like to be Patreonized. Um, what we are, but you can also yeah, Patreon. If you can, um, if you want to 
be nice to us and you can jump onto Apple Podcasts and you can leave us a rating or a review. Um, and you can also do us a subscription as well because that makes us all very, very happy. But if you are going to leave us a rating or a review, don't give us a 10 stars because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us a one star because it makes us cry. Give us five stars because it's in the middle. And it's average. And like you're just a little bit average. Shut up. Um, <laughs> but the first one who's not been average tonight is a rather mundane, the rather below par... <laughs> They're rather fantastic, Mr. Nigel Matthews. And if you get a vote, if you, you ever get another vote, vote stay, please. For vote EU stay. friendly shipping out of the UK, vote stay. <laughs> if it goes back to that. vote, please vote stay. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a party political podcast. On behalf of the you, uh, EU friendly shipping by the campaign Kickstarter. in the United Kingdom. The Kickstarter, yeah. the Kickstarter yeah. fulfillment company. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Nigel? Of course not. Sorcerers. Absolutely fantastic. Get off. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Nigel. Say goodbye, Nigel. Goodbye, everybody. Good night, Richard. Been a pleasure. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Rollsixes.com. And <laughs> if you're going to go on a quest, it's not a quest. Unless it's Games Quest. Yeah. Ding, da, ding, 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 ding. ding. Yes, Good night, everybody. <laughs> okay, bye bye. A wizard is never late. He arrives precisely when he means to.